Welcome back to the Lodges Podcast. This is a gaming and esports podcast where we host business professionals, streamers, pro esports players, and others who are working in the industry. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is episode 39 with Ivan Curtis, also known as OG King Kurt. He is the GM and head coach for the Brooklyn Nets NBA 2K team. Um, before we hop into it with him, I do want to read a five-star rating. Um, appreciate everybody out there who's dropping a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. So with that being said, this one comes from CKM Writes 4, which I believe is Crystal Mills. So shout out to you, Crystal. Uh, she said, Juan is an amazing host who provides a lot of amazing information of the esports industry through the experiences of the professionals in it. I always look forward to the new episodes. Um, thank you for that note, and thank you for dropping the five-star review, Crystal, as well as everybody else who's showing some love to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. It is our recommended uh, listening platform. If you don't have a favorite, I definitely recommend doing it through there. Uh, it does the best job of showing the links to our guests, showing you any other links we might drop. It outlines the be- the the podcast, basically, how we want it to look. So highly recommend Apple Podcasts if you don't have a favorite. Um, but with all that being said, uh, we're going to hop into it again. It's episode 39 with Ivan Curtis had a great conversation with him and, and learning about how he paved his path into the NBA 2k league and the road that he took to become the GM of one of the teams and, you know, kind of what he's doing now. Uh, like I said, as well as what he did to get there. So I hope that you guys enjoy this. And with that being said, this is the Lodges podcast up next. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Lodges podcast. This is episode uh, 39. I apologize. Almost the 40 episodes, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, Super humble and blessed. I I feel like to have another amazing guest on this week. With us today, we have Ivan Curtis, also known as OG King Kurt, who is the GM and head coach of the Brooklyn Nets GC, which is the official NBA 2K team for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Kurt, I, I know we were just talking, but I guess we're just hopping into the recording now. Hey, um, I, I just want to say, you know, thanks Juan for having me on. I truly appreciate it. Um, anytime I get a chance to, to shed light on the league and, and myself, I'm, I'm more than happy, um, to do that. So I appreciate you for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about it. I've, I've come to love and, and love to learn from a lot of the people in the UK league to have you on well um to get things started i i think you know typically where we start with our best plus way best way to kick it off is if you just want to take three to five minutes let everybody know a little bit about you background kind of who you are uh just to give them context throughout the episode that'd be great oh yeah well like i said my name's ivan curtis uh known as og king kurt in the 2k community uh, my journey pretty much started uh, back in 2014 2015 uh, I was playing a 2K uh, in a, my player mode in the Jordan Rec Center. Uh, started uh, realizing that people were playing in organized leagues. Um, I started participating in the ABL, which was the American Basketball League. And um, I ran across other leagues, um, such as the SBA, the Structured uh, Basketball Association. Uh, there, I met my friend, 
uh, and brother now, uh, Tawan Fairley, uh, he was working and playing in that league as well. And we started playing together. And, you know, not too long after that, uh, he decided he wanted to start his uh, own league and he felt like he could do one better than all the leagues that we were playing in. And um, I went along with him. I asked him, uh, what did he want to call it? He said the MPBA um, stood for my player basketball association. Uh, from that point forward, we started playing together, working together and slowly, but surely we, you know, we built uh, the premier league to play in, uh, in that game mode. Um, you know, and it, and it was funny because um, I also served uh, in the United States Navy uh, from 2000, from 1997 to 2001 uh, to one. He was in the Navy uh, during this time. So we, we instantly had certain ties that w uh, went together. Although, I, you know, I'm a little bit older than he is. Uh, we both uh, went to the naval, the naval route and had a strong passion for 2K and um, when the league first started, uh, we had an opportunity to work with uh, Bucks GG. And uh, it was at that moment we realized the impact that we had made uh, with the MPBA because in the league's first season, 80% uh, of the players that were drafted had all played in the MPBA. And um, we, wow. ha we had an opportunity then to uh, help Bucks GG uh, put together their team. Uh, naturally, uh, most of the players that, that we drafted uh, came out of the NPBA as well. And a few uh, a year later, uh, we both had an opportunity uh, to lead franchises. And I, I you know, Brooklyn chose me. Uh, Dallas chose uh, Tawan. And uh, here we are today uh, representing uh, NBA organizations in esports. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's that's a perfect kind of recap story and, and timeline of things. Um, it's interesting. I feel like there's uh, I've come on. There's a lot of people that were in the military that are now in gaming or esports, you know, whether that be with a league or they're an entrepreneur. I don't know. I think I, I didn't even realize that, that you had that background. So you're like out of our 39 guests, I think you might be the sixth or seventh now, actually, that, that has a military background. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh. It's funny because uh, when you're in the military, I mean, especially for us being out on the ship, uh, when you're not working or or anything like that, gaming was the, the thing to do. Uh, also, I want to mention the fact that uh, Lawrence West was a part of the MPBA, and uh, he's also uh, a GM now in the league for Hornets Venom GT. Um, so that, that often sometimes gets forgotten because – uh, later in our years, he he branched out and started doing his own thing, and we mm -hmm. were we were supportive. Uh, no nasty break or anything like that. But um, I think a lot of people in the later years don't know that. But Lawrence West was a big part in uh, helping our league grow and promoting it and marketing it, and um, you know adding his thoughts to it, and which made it become what it did. Yeah, no, that's that's cool to see that you guys were all a part of that and helped build that. And then now have, you know, actual significant roles. So, and, and I want to get actually into the MPBA here in a second and, and kind of maybe dive a little bit deeper and ask you a couple of questions. Um, but I want to ask uh, just, just to know OG King Kurt, 
I know that's what a lot of people call you. That's why you go by on, on your socials. How did, how did that name come about? Did you come up with it? Did someone else kind of start calling you it or what's the story behind that? Well, this was, <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> funny story behind it. I mean, it, uh, when I, when we, me and Tawan started playing, um, his, the name of his team was NTOF, Never Think of Failure. And okay. everybody on the roster, uh, majority had King in their name. Um, his name was uh, King NTO, uh, King LT, um, mm -hmm. NTOF King LT. So um, I liked, you know, I liked the unity and everybody had the name King in it, but me, I just took it as like, uh, you know, just a sense of royalty and, and sense of self. And the, the, o, the OG was, um, I was the, one of the older players in the, on the competitive scene, if not the oldest. And uh, okay. LT used to call me old geezer all the time, too. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of took a blend of the two. And uh, just me being the elder in the community, I added that to it. And um, the Kurt, my mom, uh, used to call me uh, Kurt all the time. And uh, that's the first four letters of our last name, too. So um, I just always like how she said it. Uh, she passed away a few years ago. So um, I just basically um, did that in her, in her honor while she was still living. Mm -hmm. But I just liked the fact that how she used to say it. And she was always supportive and everything I did, no matter what, as long as I was working and, you know, taking care of my kids and stuff like that, she was fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome to hear. No, that's that's pretty cool that each part has its own little, you know, have three little separate stories there to, to tie into the name. So I think like that's pretty unique. That That's cool. Yeah, I'm big on symbolism. Like, I, I, I like symbolic <laughs> things. Like, I, I believe everything has its purpose. So I like for it to be meaningful. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, Nice. Well, I, I kind of just wanted some background information for myself and, and I'm sure maybe some people listening if they don't know the backstory on it. So thank you for sharing that Um, to transition. And, and I think a good place to start since, you know, like you were saying, the three of you guys kind of started with the MPBA and, and building out and growing it. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, the origin story behind it? And, you know, I know you mentioned that when you guys started that one, there were some other leagues out there that were for competitive gameplay, but you guys felt like you could build a better one. I guess, you know, maybe chat a little bit about the origin story, the the, the take you guys took um, and how you grew it at the beginning. I think like um, this, uh, and it's funny because I, I don't think I've ever really told this to this, de to this detail, is that like uh -huh. the ABL was more of a freestyle uh, league it didn't have a lot of rules to it um as you know and i know um a lot of times 2k gets uh, a bad rap for having a lot of different glitches uh to the game and stuff like that so the abl was more of a free open platform where they it wasn't a lot of rules. it was just you go out there and play and made the best team that uh wins that night um the, mm -hmm. the sba was more of a it was structured. It had, had rules. Some people thought it had too many rules, but uh, and also a big shout out to Dietrich Glover because he was the 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 originator and and founder of the SBA. And Dan, uh, I want I think his name. I it's been at some years now. We haven't been in touch, but Dan and Jermaine uh, started the ABL, 
and uh, and okay. it and it was funny because Dan was only nineteen years old, and uh, he was oh, wow. a he was a genius. Like I mean, he knew <laughs> he uh, he was a, a graphic arts. Uh, he was big in the graphic arts, and uh, he promoted the league well with his graphics and and just his whole mindset. And uh, and it's funny because later on down the line, it's gonna it's gonna show you how it tied into the MPBA, but um, Dietrich did a great job to me uh, with the SBA and setting rules and trying to make it as realistic as possible. Um, it was also um, another league. Uh, that, that it was, and it was funny, the 2KL league. And basically, that was the only money league at the time uh, where basically if you wanted the opportunity to play and win money, uh, you played in that league. And I, and I want to say his name was King LT. I, I, it was something similar i, I can't uh, it was king t or king lt it was something like that Sim it was similar to taiwan but a little different and um uh, what happened with that league is it folded because he pretty much ran off with the money <laughs> so oh. uh, yeah so <laughs> after he did that a lot of the a lot of the top players that you know today that that's in, in the 2k league um they they played in that league and they started filtering in the other leagues, uh, filtering into the MPBA when we started. So basically mm -hmm. what we did was we took the, now, um, another league that's still going and actually has taken, um, you know, has held the community down as the WR, the WR led by Ev and his crew. Um, they, they were started the same time we did. Um, I think, we took over in popularity because um, a lot of the top players were playing in our league, but they had always ran a good league too. And primarily, they when they started, they they specialized in PS4. We we started in Xbox, so it was kind okay. of a, a a balance there. Um, so yeah. you know, later by like 2000, I want to say 2016, 17, we started. Uh, we we started in both. Now in doing that, Xbox and PlayStation. Yes, and um, okay. and WR was is short was shortly to follow after that. So now it was like two dynamic platforms to be able to serve the community. But in the process of doing that, we took we took the 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 the, the promotion and the and the marketing and graphic that I had learned from the ABL and marketing it, the MPBA along with the, a statistical system that would allow us to keep track of players and um, points per game, rebounds per game, uh, just every basketball stat that you can think of. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Gotcha. So, so um, yeah, it was a blend of everything that we had learned and we had done in, in previous leagues and we put it all into the MPBA and, and just powered it and, um, and like I said, the WR did the same thing, and uh, that's pretty much uh, the two the two main leagues that people played in was the WR and the NPBA, and then there was other tournament circuits uh, to come along. Two uh, K tournaments uh, now recently, like top tier league tournaments, uh, mm -hmm. militia league. Um, it's a lot of it's it's a lot of leagues now um, that. <laughs> You know, based off uh, the success that the MPBA and WR had and has had, um, you know, 
it's uh it's it, I always thought it was a beautiful thing. I never I never looked at it as competition or anything like that. I thought it's millions of people who play two K and uh whatever right. can provide the most exposure for the game that the, the our mode that we play and the players that play, I thought the better. Right. And and for context, I know we'll have I'm sure plenty of people from that you know either a part of the 2k league or familiar with it but for those that aren't just for context so you guys this when you started this this is probably like what two years before the 2k league actually kicked off uh yeah like th- like between two two and three years uh we okay. started like at, at the beginning at the end of 2014 going into 2015 we started and uh gotcha. i believe the wr was somewhere right in the mix we didn't necessarily know like um, each other then. Um, as time went on, we started recognizing that was other leagues that were doing uh, the same thing, and uh, they just happened to be, uh, was doing it at, at the same level, just they were only doing PS4, and we were only doing Xbox. And, um, you know, I used to say, even I, I gave them much credit, uh, even without knowing them, is that uh, their presentation was a lot better than ours. Uh, website and everything. Um, I always liked their presentation um, of how they represented the league. We had a website and we had everything, but ours was uh, pretty standard. We never really upgraded it. I think we got over pretty much by the talent that was joining the league and that was playing. And uh, it was all the top players that you can think of and all of them that play in the league now. So uh, we yeah. just, you know, we just won over by popularity. Gotcha. And and I something that I was wondering or thinking about is for you guys then once the league actually started, did you know the focus, the mission, did did anything for that change with MPBA since now there was, you know, actually the NBA two K league? Um, did you guys begin to do anything differently, I guess, at that time? That's a good question because basically the first season when we started uh, with Bucks GG. Uh, we just came on as draft analysts, and basically okay. our job was to just uh, give our insight on who we felt was the best players to draft. And after we put that the team together, um, we pretty much um, we wasn't really affiliate. We was like limit. We had limited roles with with the organization, so we still kept doing the MPBA and still running tournaments and, and leagues and stuff like that, and. Basically, we felt like if if it was to be, it, it would be. And we mm-hmm. we didn't stop doing what we felt like had got us our foot in the door, um, per se. Uh, so right. we just stayed with it and um, just, you know, still wanted to have that platform uh, to give people to play on because it was allowing people to basically uh, improve their stock and, and, and get more exposure. Um, to league GMs and coaches, so give them an opportunity to draft it. So we felt like it was, it had been our duty all this time. And also, uh, we since we had started before the league, you know, we never. It was like me and Famous talked about uh, last night. We we never had an end game. Like we was just doing mm-hmm. doing something out of the love of two K and, and something that we was passionate about. So uh, it was no reason for for us to quit because our passion. Uh, is what st- got us rolling in the first place. So we just stuck with it. Right. I mean, you guys are going to do it regardless. So. Right. Yeah. How, um, 
so for players, I guess, that went through, you know, leagues like yours, like the MPBA, um, you know, when you guys later, I know you said for, you know, for the Bucks, you guys are kind of a draft analyst, which, you know, I'm sure provided a lot of leverage given you guys had a league like this and we're watching all these players. But for those players that competing in your leagues and, and the other one, for the most part, is that who you would see get drafted? And, and is that still kind of true today? That's where you see a lot of the, uh, you know, guys and girls get drafted? Or uh, yeah, I, or is I'm, it like two separate? I'm not, I think it's a combination of both. Because what we started okay. realizing it uh, later in the year, somewhere between probably 2017 and 18, that people were playing in both both leagues. It went, because once we opened up, once each league opened up, um, their platforms to do both consoles. I think mm-hmm. it was um, if you wasn't playing in the W, you was playing in the MPBA, and if you wasn't playing in the MPBA, you was playing in the WR. You was playing in both. So right. um, I think uh, a combination of those two, and uh, I think that's pretty much the standard. Um, obviously, not trying to toot my horn or anything like that, but it's just it's something that has existed and. Uh, we we take pride in that, and I'm sure the WR take pride in that. And, um, not only uh, with that is, you know, we just had our first um, event together um, within a, last month, and it was the Razor Stock event. And it was an idea uh, that came about from uh, Black Frank White, who was the community ambassador for the 2K League. Mm-hmm. And basically he brought us together, and we had it was a great event. And we actually are in the middle of uh, doing the second event, which is Razor Stock 2. And um, I think registration has been going well with that. And I think it's uh, something that we, you know, in the future, we don't we don't mind doing. A lot of people thought it was a competition thing, and, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't. I mean, I think we, um, I talked to Ev, who, who runs the WR. I talked to him, you know, a lot, you know, at least once or twice a week about something. And... You know, it's just it's something we felt like was needed uh, in the community is to be on one accord and try to do things the, the same or similar so it can be a standard. Uh, because for a while it was like, man, I, you know, I play, we're playing a WR because they don't do this or they don't do that or, or they do this and, and vice versa with the MPPA. And we kind of, you know, it's a league now. Like we have our own professional league, so we need to, start setting the bar and creating one standard so everybody can be evaluated under the same format. Gotcha. No, no, no. That's a, that's a great explanation and an analysis of that. I appreciate that. Um, okay. And so I, I guess that's where I wanted to start. I feel like that was a good starting point um, to hop in with you to transition then and talk just a little bit or a couple minutes on with the bucks. How did, how did that i believe you said you were a draft analyst how did that opportunity come up and then you know follow up with that how did you transition you know out of the bucks to the nets obviously it's a much higher position as gm and head coach but um you know how did i feel like i don't know it's been interesting hearing some of the other guests i've had come on you know hearing their i guess you could say the process they went through to get a position in the league so i don't know i thought it'd be interesting to hear yours as well oh no doubt um basically um, after we have fulfilled our role as draft analysts, um, LT uh, assisted them minorly in, in, in other things during the season. Uh, I was more of a community um, manager, 
um, that would promote a lot on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. Um, but following that, um, opportunity uh, opened up for me uh, right right during uh, right before the finals of the two K league. Um, I had I had a phone I had a, a phone conversation with uh, Brendan Donahue, uh, Daniel, and that's in league ops. And at the time, Aaron Ryan uh, was another uh, person in, in ops and. And I had a good uh, phone conversation with them, which is at the time I didn't even realize it was kind of like a, a pre-interview. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of nervous about it at first um, because, you know, I would be lying to say that once the league came out um, that I didn't want to be a part of it. But I've always been the type that I don't force anything. I like, I like mm-hmm. for things to happen organically. And um, so when I had this interview... I'm thinking it's going to be like a quick, uh, you know, maybe 15, 20 minute call or whatever, but it ended up 45 minutes. Like, and uh, basically um, at the end of the phone call, they say, you know, Kurt, we really enjoyed this conversation. And, uh, we just want to get to know about you and um, we'll be in touch. So mm-hmm. a couple of weeks later, I'm driving in my car because uh, prior to, I was a I was a high school basketball coach. I did home health care, and I was um, a manager on third shift at a group home. So okay. I've I've never probably had less than two jobs. I, I've always been like <laughs> at least two jobs. So <laughs> uh, just I just like to stay busy for the most part. But I'm I'm driving uh, to work uh, to one of my clients' house. And uh, mm-hmm. it was around 2 o'clock. I'll never forget because uh, I get a call from Sakaka's New Jersey. And I'm like, you know, most like most people, when you see a call, you don't really recognize it. You, you, you probably quick to hang it up or whatever. So right. I, I ended up answering it. And it was like, hey, Kerry, how you doing? I was like, hey, now, I didn't even voice. Probably until like two minutes into the conversation. And... uh <laughs> I read it was Aaron Ryan who called me and he was like, Kurt, you know, we had, we really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, we feel like there's some capacity. You can be a part of the league. Um, you know, we want to get you out here for the finals and, uh, you know, meet you, you know, face to face. Um, so I, uh, immediately like was like, yeah, I'll be there. And, um, right. I flew out right, uh, the night before the finals, I got there at the daytime in New York. Um, the next day, uh, the morning, uh, we talked about a lot of different things. Uh, one of the things that I had told him was that, uh, I always felt funny because I was an older person, like in gaming, like in, in a lot of gaming or even a lot of people that I have known where I had 2k, they were young. So, and, uh, I'll never forget. He said, um, you know, Kurt, it, we need we need OGs like we need uh, people to help uh, with st- the structure of, of the platform and um, right. you know and I and I always felt like that uh, unofficially was my role and that was something that I took pride in ever since I became a, a figure in the two K community was that you know I wanted to be a a guy in light so to speak for. In our community, I mean, because I felt like it was a rena- it, it, at some point it was 
And it went from no structure to limited structure to okay. And to now we have our own esports. So um, mm-hmm. he made me feel comfortable about that. And I enjoyed the finals that night. Um, you know, ironically, uh, uh, I'm glad I get to tell this story at one time because most of the time I tell this story in parts. But that night um, after the finals, uh, we it was me... Uh, Nick Gartrell, who's the assistant coach for T-Wolves Gaming. Black mm-hmm. Frank Wright, who's the NBA 2K League community ambassador. And Jelani Mitchell, a- a.k.a. 2K Comp Games, who's the head coach for Jazz Gaming. If you can see how this is tying in, at this night, uh, we all hung out, and none of us were in the... Like, none of... We, we went uh, to Hotel Z, uh, right down the street from Brooklyn Studios, and we just sat on the rooftop and we were just talking about dreams and aspirations of making a league and how dope we thought it was and how we experienced the finals and everything like that. Now, mind you, I had met uh, Nick through uh, the 2K community and some of the, the league events that had went on prior to the league starting. And then I met uh, Black Frank White and 2K Com Games over their show that they used to do um, First Shake. And mm-hmm. I just started talking to them on social media and then finally got to meet the person. So uh, for us to hang out and, and talk about aspirations and then now here we are, fast forward, our position in the league, uh, it was crazy. But uh, from my story to continue from after there, uh, we basically, uh, it was probably maybe like two or three weeks after the finals. I never, I almost never forget. I believe it was September fourth, six thirty a.m. Uh, I, I told, uh, I laugh about it. Joshua Press, who's the senior vice president for BSE Global, he oversees everything SGC. Um, mm-hmm. He emailed me at uh, six thirty in the morning on that day, <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, it was a short, simple email. He said, basically gave an intro of who he was, and he was, you know, told that he you know, should speak with me uh, about our position here at, at SGC. And I was like, uh, you know, I emailed him back at 635. <laughs> and I, like I said, I worked third shift, so I was already up. And uh, I was just sitting at my desk, and uh, the email shot across my iPad. And I kind of, the only reason it took me to 635 is because I was kind of in shock. Like, I, you know, because I never, uh, I never had really reached out to a lot of different teams. I really didn't even know who all was doing what. Mm-hmm. So when I got the email, I emailed them back and um, we got on a call later at 9 a.m., had a good conversation. He said that um, I was one of the better uh, candidates that he had talked to, you know, since the process had started. Uh, slowly but surely, um, a, a week or so later, maybe two weeks, I, I came on as a special advisor. Um, then I went from from that and gradually uh, moved on up. And um, I went, I went. I think after a special advisor was like special assistant or something like that. I I don't know why it seemed so far <laughs> from from then, but uh, <laughs> later I was named uh, GM and head coach of NetGC, and and I pretty much uh, you know be, began my career. Uh, at a higher position in the 2K league. 
No, that's amazing. That that's a really cool story. I, I don't know what it is with uh everybody that I've talked to in the UK league that's come on the podcast, but you guys are all really good storytellers about, you know, I guess pre NBA two K league, then you know, how you got in the NBA two K league. Um it's really cool to hear. So I appreciate you sharing your story. And I think a lot of people enjoy hearing about that and kind of seeing how you got to where you got to. Um, so that was really cool. No doubt. I, I like I said, it's, it's probably the live on, on your show is the first time I probably st- told the, the full detail in one go. <laughs> like most of the, <laughs> like I said, most of the time it gets broken down in the, into sections, but um, yeah, I'm, I was happy to be able to share that story with you. No, that's awesome. Um, so you kind of, you know, you mentioned before you got to GM, you had kind of these roles and, and you worked your way up. Once you got to to the GM position, um, you know, being the GM of a 2K league team, you know, I thought it'd be interesting to ask, how much do you feel like you have control of kind of setting the tone for the team, the culture for the team? Um, you know, how much does that fall on you? How much, you know, do you put an effort into creating a good culture? for the players you have on your um I, it, it's i mean you in my situation uh they have put full trust in me to to build the organization the way that i see fit as far as personnel and personnel mm-hmm. and things of that nature uh obviously their first season uh expansion i had assistance uh with nick gartrell who um, like I said, now is with T Wolves Gaming, but um, in our first season, uh, he worked he worked with me and, and as a business operations assistant, and uh, he worked in between me and Joshua Prush, um, like I said, who oversees an SGC. And basically, um, you know, we worked together in a lot of different aspects in the first season, uh, as far as the expansion draft, and then going forward. Um, you know, the first season with SGC, I put together, uh, I, I felt like a, a good personality uh, team where I felt like high character, uh, low risk. I didn't really feel like anybody with uh, a lot of things that you can come across uh, as far as uh, players with high egos or, or anything like that. I, I pretty much kept it, kept it low. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, we, obviously we didn't have the, the, the type of season that a lot of teams, you know, we had goals of trying to win mid season tournaments and everybody, you know, wants to make the playoffs to have a chance to win the championship. So, uh, the first season, uh, I, it was a season, uh, if I had to describe it in one word, it's just inconsistent. Uh, when we were, when we were really good. We were really good, and when we were bad, and um, that was a, a hard hurdle to get over. Um, but mm-hmm. far as uh, people, um, you know, they, they were they were great guys, and yeah, um, I still, you know, to some sort have a connection with all of the players from the first season, uh, even those who are not uh, still with us at SGC, but. Um, they're just, just great guys and, and, and great young man. I mean, of course, you know, if anybody's played team sports or anything like that, it, you know, it's never going to be perfect. Uh, but, right, right. you know, it, as much as possible, uh, I enjoyed it. And I think, like I said, we, you know, you had your ups, you had your downs, but 
think overall we had um, it wasn't a bad uh, first season. Like I said, it wasn't what we wanted, but I think right. it was uh, something to build off of going forward. Um, now, if I you know fast forward to this season, you know now I have uh, Wild and Cooney, who's um, not only the social media manager, but he's also the assistant GM, and uh, he helps me in day to day operations because you know really. Uh, it's it's a it can be a difficult task to try to maintain and manage everything by yourself, and um, I'm lucky uh, to have somebody like him who, you know, goes above and beyond uh, to make sure you know everything is good with SGC and and myself. So uh, shout out to him. Uh, you know, he just uh, recently was promoted uh, this year. And um, he's doing a, a, a great job. And, uh, I, you know, I appreciate him a lot, you know, more than words can say. I mean, because <laughs> I think uh, we do more than what people think. I mean, when people hear 2K League and they hear general manager and coach, uh, they, 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 instantly, they just think, <clears throat> excuse me, they just think about the game. Like they don't right. think about the day-to-day operations and managing six players you know, who are coming from all different parts of the country uh, to live in one market, and especially a market as, as New York. And uh, it's a lot of challenges that come with that. And like I said, it's, it's more than a, a, a one-person job. So I'm definitely grateful to have the, the help and assistance that I do, not only from him, but just everybody at, at BSC uh, Global uh, that's a part of SGC. Yeah, no, that's funny because that's actually was one of the questions that I was going to transition into asking you because, you know, just a little background. So with, with the guests I've had on that are other management positions. So, you know, I kind of seen when we went down to Miami and we had the interview with Famous, um, really just heard how he has a lot that, that he holds on his shoulders. Um, I guess, you know, being GM, he doesn't have too many other people on staff with him. So kind of learned a little bit about that when he was talking about it, then went up, went over to Orlando and um, kind of saw how their team was structured. And so, I don't know, I've kind of noticed that it's interesting how I think, or, or correct me if I'm wrong, we're kind of like each team almost, it's not a consistency, I guess, as far as like structured that you would see, like, you know, obviously for watching a traditional NBA team, you know, top to down, most teams basically look the same as far as staff and, and roles and responsibilities. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that's interesting. I was going to kind of ask you how, how that works for you guys. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is an interesting dynamic for each organization because obviously um, you have uh, certain teams that, that have staffs built specifically for their team. And then you have other organizations such as ours, who's, uh, it's a shared um, partnership between our actual parent team and our um, esports team. So okay. obviously, um, you know, things operate different, but it's still effective. Yeah. But, you know, especially, uh, it, it, you know, it, it creates challenges here and there because when the actual NBA season is going, um, you know, obviously it's difficult from time to time to do a lot of different things as far as uh, maybe videography or, you know, even as much as, uh, graphic design or a lot of different things like that. But we have a system here at uh, an SGC that works and uh, we use it effectively. And 
you know, we don't have we don't have too many issues in making things happen that need to happen for us. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. Um, last question I had on on you know with you and the Nets, and then I want to transition into a couple of minutes to talk about the podcast that you have. Um, but last last thing I want to ask that I think would be important to kind of hear from you that, that sits in a position that you sit in. Um, like I said, I, I, you know, I know we have people that are from the 2K League and they're listening, but again, we have other people that, you know, are learning about the league. Um, how does it work as far as, you know, with you guys in the 2K side and collaborating with your, you know, affiliate NBA team? What does that relationship look like? You know, like what are things you guys are allowed to do, things you aren't allowed to do? Um, if you could just kind of touch on that for, for maybe one or two minutes, again, just maybe to provide a little bit of, of education for those that are maybe to the league and, and learning about it. Um, for me, um, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm a very optimistic person. So I, I look at the, I, I look at the more of the good, uh, in our situations. I think, uh, what people most often ask when they hear about, uh, being affiliated with the 2K League or, like, in my position, being a GM and coaches, like, do you ever get to meet the, the the players for the Brooklyn Nets or anything like that? Or, you know, mm-hmm. and right now, like, yeah, on occasions we I have and, uh, just, you know, different capacities. Um, unfortunately, like, right now for our league, it's um, just due to the way it's set up, we don't get to integrate um, what we do with our – um, parent team. Um, we do have limited uh, situations as far as like our uh, the Brooklyn Nets social can tweet uh, our stuff uh, up to like twice a day. Um, okay. We can do things with the G League, uh, the WNBA teams, and other uh, professional uh, players and teams outside of the actual NBA. Um, the one, you know, the, the, some of the benefits with it for us is that like our practice facility is in the Barclays Center. So, um, nine times out of 10, we have most of the games. Uh, we, uh, attend a lot of different events that's non NBA related. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, like with videography and, uh, graphic arts design, we deal with actually the the personnel who makes things happen for the actual Brooklyn. So um, it's a lot of cool uh, underlining to like who we deal with um, to make right. things happen for an SGC. So, um, you know, it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, the relationship with an SGC and, and the actual Brooklyn Nets is, is, is good for a lot of different reasons for us because like YL, like I mentioned earlier, uh, he's our social media manager, but he also works for the actual Brooklyn Nets on social. So he um, he's a real gem. I mean, he uh, he works for the SGC, but he also works for the Brooklyn Nets too. So he gets to cover, you know, the actual Brooklyn Nets players, and and he you know sometimes he goes on the road and and like so he gets the the full experience and, and, and learns a lot of different things brings it back to SGC to make us uh, a better organization and but also specifically in social yeah so yeah it's uh it's it's pretty interesting I think things will grow uh you know uh, I think that I think they're growing 
they're growing slowly but surely, and and I think pretty soon right. we'll probably be at that that level. And I think, uh, unfortunately, you know, it's an unfortunate situation of what we're going through in the world, but I think it's shining a bigger light on sports. And mm-hmm. I think that yeah. uh, ultimately can help us uh, into what we're trying to achieve as far as um, not only nationwide in our esports, but globally. So um, I yeah. think I, I can see, you know, bigger and better things coming. Not, and I think it's super, you know, super dope that you guys get to be in Barclay Center and practice there and have a facility there. I mean, I think that's extremely cool. Um, no, but I, I appreciate you elaborating on that. I mean, mainly the, the reason I brought it up, um, really wasn't to look at it from the negative side. Cause I do see so many things with the, with the league that are positive. Um, I, I kind of wanted to hear from you because I think that a lot of people too, like you were just mentioning due to like the virus and everything, a lot of people for the first time, um, that maybe you're in esports are learning more about maybe the 2k league and also just NBA 2k and, and kind of the two, um, but I don't know. I saw a lot of conversations, you know, on LinkedIn and, and on socials where I don't think honestly people un- understand that how the relationships work for the teams as far as like, you know, the 2K league to that, you know, parent NBA team. Um, and so, you know, just for educational purposes, I know a lot of times people are tuning in the podcast to, to learn as well as, you know, hear from the guests. So I appreciate providing that context for, you know, maybe that someone that hadn't heard that before or doesn't really know how the relationship works. At the no, moment, but yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think the the biggest thing for us is that when you actually see our event, you get a bigger you get a bigger feel for what it provides. I think, like mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a lot of um, different esports that you can watch, and you can right. you can see it, and you can feel it, and you can understand it. But I think with ours, it's better when you when you get to witness it live. And and, that, and I think, uh, I want to say Matt Art, and I think he used this for this phrase before. It's like, is that's like our secret sauce. Like it's, <laughs> it's like you get the, when you like, cause it, now you have to understand, like I'm 35, 36 in the midst of building the MPBA. So like right. when I'm not working out at my kids games, they're not coaching or like I'm glued to the couch, playing the game, networking, laptop in front of me operating and running leagues and tournaments and stuff like that so people looking at me like man that's that's all you do is play the game like you're always on the game like, so um like the big misunderstanding like the they, them not realizing everything until finally uh the 2k league comes about and i become a part of it and people was like man like you know all that work really did pay off like you like you really was doing something like, and people just thought I was right. just sitting there playing a the game. So like I have a twin brother who, yeah, we grew up playing video games, but I played them a lot. And like, mm-hmm. he, he, like, he would rather go outside and play uh, the sports. And I would too, but I still play the game a lot. So <laughs> even, even now uh, he, you know, he may, he don't really play the game like that thing. But uh, when he first got to come to a live event, he was like, this is, this is pretty dope. And and that's pretty much yeah. the reaction that I get from a lot of people who, like, when you try to explain it, it's one thing. But then when they come see it and they see the full production, uh, they see the players, you know, their own personalities. Every player right. has a backstory. 
um, a lot of different elements that go into it. Um, I think it, 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 that's what really captures people about what we do. Yeah, no. And I think what you just touched on there, that everybody has a story, like, you know, obviously that's, that's true across the board, but something that I think, you know, from the outside looking in as I've come to learn the league more and kind of meet people within it. I think the 2k league by far does an amazing job of telling those stories and like I was even saying with you and, and having you on guests and other people, like even you guys as individuals are just amazing storytellers. And I don't know, that's something that personally I really enjoy and, and I love hearing stories. And I think a lot of people are also kind of, you know, wired that way. Um, but no, I'd, I'd have to completely agree with you that, that I think the TK league takes it. I've yet to go to a live event. You know, we were actually hoping cause I'm in Tampa and I think you guys were before everything with the virus went down. I think there was going to be, two tournaments in Orlando um, that were either preseason or, or off season or whatever the case was. So we were going to try to head over there to see it in person, but um, yeah, no, from the, from the storytelling side, I think the 2k league does a great job and it has the right people to, to kind of use the storytelling, you know, as something to leverage. Oh yeah, no doubt. And that's a uh, shout out to, you know, Matt Arden and his team. Uh, this, like I said, each year we've added value. Uh, to the 2K League uh, from yeah. one from one element to another. And um, I think uh, that's the biggest thing about this season is that obviously we're going to be in arena, um, I think more attractive, more open uh, to the fans and, and supporters of the league. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of buildup. And um, I think, you know, we can get, you know, we get through this and everything and, Hopefully we get a chance to see that and and yeah. and, and because I think that was going to be really huge for us this season and uh, just to show the, the extreme amount of growth and how people are working to make the 2KD, you know, bigger and better every year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, I, I hope to see the same thing. You know, you hope to see this pass soon. Um, all right, well, to, to start to wind it down a little bit, uh, the last thing I wanted – to chat with you about was the OG two cents podcast. Um, I, I love what you're doing. I think that it's, it's super cool and unique. Um, so just to chat about it for a couple of minutes, I, I guess, you know, what led you to starting the podcast or, you know, kind of when you were building it out, processing it, all that, you know, what is, what is your goal and vision for the podcast been? And if you just want to chat about it for a minute to kind of plug it more than, more than happy. To do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, basically, I think it was in August of last year, if I'm not mistaken, or, or a year before that. I think I want to say either 2018. I started, um, yeah, it was 2018. I started um, just, I wanted a, a different way to connect with the 2K community other than just being uh, somebody who runs league tournament. Uh, because I realized after that a lot of people, uh, they had uh, a high level of respect for me and an admiration for what um, I have been doing for so long. And mm -hmm. I just want to be able to reach people whether they play the game or not, or whether they participated in, in leagues or tournaments. I just wanted to uh, try to just share some positivity because uh, the 2K community takes a lot of hits uh, as far mm -hmm. as being toxic and different things of those nature. And my thing, um, basically, it, it still goes back to that night on 
top room when me and Comp and everybody was talking. And I wasn't really Twitter that much. Like I wasn't okay. I wasn't a big social media uh, person, believe it or not. And LT wasn't either, and he's still not. <laughs> so <laughs> um That's funny. Yeah, so it was like Comp was like he was a social media guy. He was uh, a media person in general. So he was like, uh-huh. you know, Kurt, you need to, you know, you need to find a way where you can be more social and, and connect. And uh, one day I was just tweeting. And at the end, I just put a hashtag OG two cents. And I think that tweet initially was probably one of my big, at the time, it was tweets that was non 2K related. So, um, I, I seen it. I paid attention to it. Uh, so I started doing it like every other day. Same thing. People were like, when well, they were like digging it, really liking it. And so at this point, I think probably like a, maybe a few, uh, maybe a month in of doing it, um, I developed uh, a logo for it, which is the coin uh, with the OG crown in it, the gold coin yeah. for, the, for the two cents. And yeah. I went from a picture to a video, uh, to a secondary hashtag, which is OG two cents approved. Now what gets conflicted a lot of times is OG two cents is basically my personal thoughts, uh, from experiences or from people around me, uh, that I experiences. And I use though, I use to portray what I'm feeling at that time. Uh, the OG two cents approved is basically a quote, or a statement that I've heard from somebody else. And I just want to pay homage to it because I like it. And like a call sign. Exactly. So that's the difference between those two. But now I I told myself when I probably like six months in, I was like, after a year or so, I would have enough content to maybe have my own podcast. Like I would turn it, I would actually turn these tweets into segments and mm-hmm. basically uh that was the the format for it and um just the whole inspiration was just to try to make the 2k community uh better uh with my platform and influence uh to do that and i th- and, and that's one thing that I, I i try to preach constantly that um negative things don't need any more attention <laughs> Like, I mean, it's just a day and time of clickbait and, and likes and everything like that. The negative things are going constantly, uh, always make airwaves, but rarely, uh, when people are fighting and and promoting the greater good, uh, a lot of times that goes unnoticed or people just scroll right by it. And, uh, that's just something I constantly want to keep going. Uh, and I think the show does a great job you know, still promoting that and doing it. A lot of uh, people that may, that's not even in the 2K community, but uh, I think the show kind of resonates with, with lifestyle and gaming culture. And that's something that I'm trying to push. And um, I try to bring on guests uh, when I do that are about the same agenda. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's been pretty successful so far. Like, Last night I capped off my 10 episode with, you know, famous and, mm-hmm. um, first live episode. And 
there's going to be more to come. And I'll probably, uh, time I, I'm even thinking about maybe adding a second show. Um, I'm not sure of the date or anything like that. And even, um, Maybe be pre-recorded or not, but I'm thinking about doing a, a different style, a show. Um, maybe so, you know, I'll be up to two days a week and just uh, still keep uh, striving to grow the community in a positive and just keep it going from there. Yeah, no, I love it. I think, and I think it's cool. It's kind of, you know, I, I think what's unique about it is that you obviously, you know, have your, your foundation in the 2k league and all that but i thought it's cool how you said you know that the og two cents it, it sometimes it doesn't have to do anything with the 2k league and it's just you know life through your lens and and i think that's that's pretty unique and, and for someone like you that's you know a, a true og in the industry and has done so much to you know lay the groundwork and, and continue to you know make trends and, and things move forward for the league um i definitely can see how people are about it and and tuning into it so uh, super pumped to hear, but where can, is it where, I guess, where are all the platforms, I guess, or, or some of the popular platforms um, can get into it? Yeah, you can follow me on all at OG King Kurt. Um, the, the podcast, um, you can follow on all social media platforms as well. On Twitter, it's OG Two Cents Podcast. On Instagram and Facebook, it's the OG Two Cents Podcast. Uh, also, um, we're on YouTube, uh, the 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 hashtag OG Two Cents Podcast. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. We're slowly um, uploading uh, videos daily uh, to catch up. Uh, like you know, obviously during this time, a lot of things threw us off track. But um, I, in doing that, I want to give a shout out to Dave at the Two K Zone, who uh, does a lot of sound engineering for me uh, show, um, and then uh, Strider Visuals, who does the video edit. Uh, with my preview and post videos and uh, he runs the YouTube channel as well. And these are uh, upstanding guys who, who work their way into the 2k community uh, with their talents. And uh, they're just great people uh, that I'm glad to have associated with me. Um, also, I have my a website out now, which is basically everything OG King Kurt and uh, the podcast. And it's www.og nice no i appreciate and for everybody listening if you're on apple podcast or if you're listening through the podcast website uh we'll link some of those down there for you guys if you want to connect with kurt um on socials and and check out the podcast and all that definitely definitely go and check out his stuff if you're not already um but kurt i i just want to say thank you i i really sincerely appreciate you you come coming on and, and humble that you come on and, and share your story and and talk about all the different things you've done in the past and are doing now um it, it was cool to hear about so i appreciate you coming on no no doubt i appreciate it um i'm always willing uh to to serve and uh thanks for giving me an opportunity uh, to tell my story and uh just a, another thing that just uh you brought to mind with me is that uh you know the og two cents podcast can be found on Podbean, spotify and apple podcast as well and it shoots okay. directly through uh linkedin and tumblr perfect perfect okay cool cool um well thank you uh to to all the listeners you guys that are tuning into the episode uh seriously appreciate all of you guys feedback and and support if you're new to that episode, or if you're new to the podcast and this is your first one hope you enjoyed it with us 
um, and you'll check out some of the other episodes for everyone that's a returning listener and a, and a subscriber. Definitely appreciate you guys as well. Um, love all the love you guys are letting me know and tuning in. So with all that being said, uh, we'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lodges Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this. You can find out more about Lodges by searching on Instagram at Lodges underscore financial, on Twitter at Lodges, on eFuse at Lodges, and on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Juan Rodriguez, J-U-A-N. Following on socials is the best way to be kept up to date with podcast updates and information. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.